Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Good morning. Welcome to Bay Ridge Christian Church. I'm going to be uh, bringing you the word this morning. My name is Bobby Bell, and it is a privilege for me to speak with you and sit with you and share God's word. Let's see what God has to do today and speak to our hearts. I'm going to be speaking out of Mark chapter 5. I'm going to take the whole chapter today and speak just about, uh, read almost the whole thing. But at the beginning, I'm going to read just the culmination, sort of the the climax of the story, if you will. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 5 and start in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. You know, um, one of the things I like uh, and enjoy actually is tournaments, tournaments that uh, flow with a bracket. Um, I like playing it or or competing in tournaments. I also like following tournaments that I'm not like uh, March Madness. Some of you may remember that from before the pandemic, but um, actually it is fun for me to see. And all tournaments were set up in order to claim a champion or a victor in that tournament. Uh, for that season or for that league. Now, tournaments um, show all, um, if you watch a tournament, uh, a bracket, you'll see all the winners going through and the losers uh, are are dropping off, but that winner's name keeps going and going and going on through the bracket. And that's kind of the way um, I want to look at Mark chapter five and looking at it as if it were a bracket and watch Jesus continually defeat foes and you see all the vanquished foes behind. Uh, In usual tournaments, both opponents have some chance, no matter how small, of winning. But uh, in in this particular chapter of scripture in Mark 5, Jesus faces three opponents and they have no possible way or chance of defeating him. This is the first of a two-part series, a two-part message that's going to be called Jesus Christ the Victor. And the first one here is called Jesus Christ the Victor, his earthly validation. Now, um, as a background, we're going to look at an incredible uh, couple of days, few days. Scripture is not clear on how many days, but it was a short time in Jesus's life uh, in his earthly ministry. He had come to Galilee. He had come from Galilee, which is uh, off the a lake called the Sea of Galilee. And he came from the western shore over to the eastern shore onto the side where they called the Decapolis, where there was uh, a bunch of Gal- uh, a bunch of Gentiles cities. And uh, the night before he had uh, calmed the sea while he was in that, to calm the waters, and the disciples ended by saying, who is this man? Well, in an incredible fashion, the next day or so, they're going to see exactly who this man was. This is actually Jesus. So the first uh, uh, opponent that Jesus comes up is demons. 
and it's called Jesus is the victor over demons. So let's read from uh, starting in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Now, as a setting of this uh, encounter that Jesus had, we see a man approach with demons. Jesus comes off, gets off this, out of the boat onto the shore and wanders some uh, amount of way in and happens to come across a man who was demon possessed. Now, we know that the man lived outside of the city that he was in. He lived among the tombs. He was no longer welcome in town and he was quite uh, comfortable, I guess, maybe not comfortable is the word, but he was uh, content to live away from the people because he had been being bound by chains and those chains were no longer effective. Now, one of the things we see in this setting is that Satan uh, will do anything against God, against the image uh, that, uh, that man is in God's image and about God's ways. One of the things is that this man had been shaming himself by going naked. Now, we know that from a parallel passage over in Luke where it says he was naked running around with no clothing on. This man had been bound, and the reason he had been bound was surely for the people, the townspeople, to protect themselves. So Satan would love nothing more for, than for this man and for anyone to harm other humans. And then when he was alone, he ended up harming himself. It said he was cutting himself with stones, destroying the very image of God who this person was. Now, looking at these demons as opponents... We recognize, first of all, that uh, in this passage, humans are no match for demons. Look at verse 3 and 4. It says, This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had 
often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. So uh, no one, no human being could hold this man. And that is, 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 is the way it is in our society today as well. Uh, humans are no match for spiritual, de- uh, spiritual beings called demons. No way. However, we see the second point is that demons, not only are they no match for Jesus, but they know full well that they're no match for Jesus. Look at this um, uh, in, in verses 7 and 10, 11 and 12. Um, they kept pleading and begging. First of all, they pleaded in God's name not to be tortured. Uh, in verse 7, uh, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High? In God's name, don't torture me. Isn't it interesting that they uh, implored him in God's name, almost like they said, Force field, I'm safe. You have to do it. I played a card on you, Jesus. And Jesus did not have to do it, but Jesus chose to, as we'll see in a moment. But uh, they implored him, please. They begged him not to send him out of the area in verse 10. They begged Jesus to send him into the herd of pigs. And the reason that I think they were not, they asked to, to in verse 10 through 12, not to go out of the area and to go into pigs as well, is because they, did, they feared being sent into the abyss. And they did not want that. They wanted to stay where they were. So um, G- they implored Jesus and they, the begging and pleading had been uh, initiated by the demons right away. When Jesus came towards the man, the man by, used by the demons approached Jesus and ran from a long way off. And Jesus said, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And so immediately they knew they were no match for Jesus and they knew They had to do anything they could to protect themselves. Demons are just terrified of Jesus. Uh, Looking over in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 19, we read this. You believe that there is one God? (laughs) Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. That is an amazing account, amazing testimony that demons are afraid of Jesus. And we see that right here in Mark chapter five. So as in this encounter, as we will see over and over again, Jesus is the victor. Jesus is victorious over these demons. Uh, First of all, he encounters a host of demons. It says here, Jesus, verse nine, Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied. For we are many. So there was one spokesperson or spokes demon, if you will, who spoke for the whole legion and said, we are many. Now, legion was a company, a Roman company of soldiers that numbered, uh, in my study, I've seen anywhere from 4,000 to 6,000 um, uh, soldiers that were in this, this legion or in, the, in this, what they call a legion or in this company. This is not necessarily saying that there were that many demons here. Probably on the contrary, there wasn't probably 4,000 demons, but we don't know. I think the point, though, is that, A, first of all, this was probably the largest, possibly the largest concentration of any set of or group of demons in one individual in the scriptures. Usually in scripture, it says an evil spirit or, or a demon or an evil um, was in, inhabiting a person. We look in the case of Mary Magdalene, and it says that Mary Magdalene 
had been possessed by seven demons. Seven demons. Those of you who know scripture know that seven is usually used in the context of complete. In other words, she was completely possessed and controlled by demons. And yet, this scripture doesn't say seven demons. It says a legion. Now, Mark's hearers knew they got a picture right away. Like Just like if we say a gang of people or we say uh, a, a, a troop you know, or a battalion, we get a picture, a whole uh, slew. You know, We have words and we get a mental picture. Well, Mark's readers here would have gotten an instant picture. And the picture was this was an army of demons that Jesus was facing. Now, Jesus commands them, and his victory is won by just a few short words, about eight words. He says, come out of this man, you impure spirit. That's all it took. That's all it took. Just a short phrase. And the demons had to obey Jesus. They were terrified and knew there was nothing to do. So what are the results of this encounter? Well, uh, we see that the pigs were drowned. He sent them into the pigs. The pigs ran in and there were 2,000 pigs who were drowned. We see, secondly, that the man was free from the demons. Uh, and and it just, it just as a sidebar, looking at those, uh, those pigs, not only was Satan happy to destroy humankind, he was happy to destroy uh, God's animals and also the livelihood of people who were tending those pigs. That was a big hit to their economy. Uh, the, the man was free from the demons. Uh, in verse 15, he says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Notice in there, it says he was dressed. So I pointed out earlier that he had been running around naked. They saw him dressed. This was unusual. And they saw him in his right mind. When's the last time they saw this man in his right mind? They don't. I don't know. Probably when he was a kid or maybe not even then. But they were astonished. They were actually afraid of this. Maybe they were afraid of Jesus's power. Uh, maybe they were afraid of, uh, like I said, their economy being crushed by Jesus. Whatever it was, they had fear to see that a man, 12 of them couldn't contain. They couldn't even tie him up with ropes, chains, and he would break them. Just a few words, free this man. That was scary to them. Uh, uh, old Legion, <laughs> I call him Old Liege for short, the, the, the guy that had been um, uh, in, uh, possessed by those demons. He was in his right mind and he wanted to go with Jesus. He asked this man who didn't want to be around anyone. He was content living amongst the tombs in the, in the, in the uh, gravesides. He wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, 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 you go and uh, go home and tell what great things that the Lord has done. And I believe that he was saved in this instance and he went home witnessing. It's obvious he went home and told them what he had done. And it doesn't explicitly say that he was saved, but we do know from another part of scripture that Jesus says when a demon is cast out of a person and when that person, when that demon comes back, if he finds that there's nothing occupying that household, that, that body, he comes back in and brings seven more evil demons with him and they terrorize and destroy the place. Well, Jesus, uh, I believe that this man was now, uh, this his home, his body was filled with the Holy Spirit of God, if you will. I believe that uh, there was no room for any more demons, that he was saved by the power of Jesus and he was witnessing. 
And uh, the final thing is the people were not pleased. They were so afraid that they asked Jesus to plead. They begged with Jesus, please leave our coast. And Jesus obliged them, got back into the boat, and sailed back to the western shore. So that's uh, victor, uh, victory number one for Jesus in this encounter in this, these days here is death, or is, uh, excuse me, demons. Now he moves on, crosses the water, and he's about to take on the second opponent. Jesus is the victor over disease. In Mark chapter 24, in the middle of the verse, we read, uh, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And the woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, in setting up this second opposition to Jesus, we see that, um, first of all, the people got their wish over on the eastern shore where the uh, Gentiles were. And that's a sad statement, just as, as parentheses. This, one of the saddest things that a person can get is when Jesus obliges and, and he leaves. When people say, I don't want God anymore. Get away from me, God. And he does. That is a terrifying, sad state of affairs for people, but that's what people want. They uh, very often would prefer Jesus to be out of their lives. Jesus went across and he bumped into, he came across a synagogue leader or ruler, as it's called in different versions of the scripture. And we'll come back to him because what he did was he asked Jesus to heal his sick daughter. And so Jesus went with him and came across in the as that throng was heading towards his house, came across a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. Doctors' treatments were not effective with this woman. The woman was unclean, which meant she was socially and religiously isolated from her people for the entirety of her bleeding, which meant for 12 years she had been isolated. What a life she had to have. How terrible that was. And you can read about that in Leviticus chapter 15 and verse 25 especially. This probably explains why the woman uh, didn't want to expose herself, didn't want to come out and uh, ask Jesus to heal. She would rather blend in with the crowd. She was used to that, number one. And number two, what if it became known who she was? Because this was, this was a bunch of Jews and she was unclean. And she didn't want to be exposed in that way. So she felt if she just touched him, I think that's why she didn't want to draw attention to herself. So um, we see, first of all, this disease. We, we want to set up the disease as an opponent to Jesus. Now, this disease, uh, uh, two things I want to say about this. Number one, doctors cannot heal anything. Now, before I sound like a heretic, uh, I want to say 
I know some doctors personally. We have some wonderful doctors in our congregation. And that's not to disparage at all. Doctors have wonderful knowledge and it's, you know, it's been supplied by God. God has given a wonderful ability for doctors to understand and to know what different uh, medicines and herbs do, what particular uh, uh, regiments of, of healing, of, of exercise, of rest, and all this comes together for the body to heal itself or for God to supernaturally heal, but the doctors don't have the healing power in their hands. Um, so disease is no match for humans speaking. Now, the only doctors that can heal would be the ones that have the gift, the supernatural gift of healing. And even then, it's the Lord healing through them. So um, the second thing we want to see is that medications in this particular specific instance had no more effect. No more effect. They were The prescriptions and reg regimens are limited. And in this case, they had no effect. In fact, she was getting worse. Um, this illness had lasted for 12 years. And look what it says in verse 26. It says she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. This woman had spent her every penny she had. She went to multiple doctors and they had nothing for her. Nothing. This opponent was strong. And yet here's Jesus who reigns victorious once again. First of all, I want to look at is Jesus being victorious is the woman's faith. In verse 28, and then again in 34, we see her faith. Uh, in 28, she said, because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Verse 34 says, Jesus said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So her faith was very active. But notice that her faith was placed in the was put in the right place, and it was in Jesus. Her faith was in Jesus. She said, "If I touch his clothes, I will be healed." She was so she had so much faith. She realized that it's possible that there's so much power in him. I don't even have to touch his skin. He doesn't have to say anything to me. I don't have to ask. I'm, I have enough faith that if I just touch his garments, where he can't even feel me, I can get saved and, and get healed. And she was right. He, she did get healed just by touching garment. In fact, she said he can't even feel it. Jesus didn't even feel it. What he felt was the power going out of him, which is what amazed him because people were touching him on all sides. And he says, who touched me? Really, Jesus? No, I felt power going out of me. There is no action without faith. This woman's faith was strong and there is no action without faith. If we believe something, we will act upon it. It will be obvious. In fact, Action proves faith. And going back to James again, I want you to look at verses uh, 20 and through 22. We just looked at verse 19 a moment ago. And in that context, the demons believe. Anybody can believe in the Lord. Even demons, devils believe in God. But what we need is faith. And how do we know we have faith? Well, in James chapter 2, verse 20, it says, You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds or works is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. You see, um, there is, as Abraham did, he had faith. It later says it there and it says back in the Old Testament, it says in Romans, it says in a number of places that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
So his works, our works do not credit anything, but our works show that we have the faith that we, our mouths say we had. And that's what this woman did. She demonstrated her faith by coming to Jesus and touching his clothes. Now we see, secondly, Jesus's power. Jesus's power um, and not the woman's faith is what actually healed. He said, uh, uh, it, who touched my clothes? Um, he knew that power had gone out of him. And so that it was his power in verse 30 that he says that um, Jesus fully and instantly healed her upon her touch. Um, notice in verse 29, it says, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. It was immediate and instantaneous. And notice, whereas Jesus defeated the demons with just eight words, Jesus defeats this enemy, disease, with no words, not one word, just power going out from him through a touch. And uh, so once again, this is just such an easy victory for Jesus in human ways of speaking. It's no contest. Once again, Jesus reigns victorious. Um, the results of this encounter are just that, that Jesus is victorious. The woman was fully healed and she was now, for the first time in over 12 years, fully ceremonially clean. Hallelujah to that. She could resume her fellowship with her people. And she had a great testimony behind that. The woman was free from her suffering uh, from now on. She said she was. Uh, she felt immediately free. She knew the difference. She had been bleeding for 12 years. Now, uh, these next two things I want to say, um, those of you that know the scriptures in Romans chapter 10 will, sound, will hear something very familiar. The woman believed in her heart that Jesus could heal her. Look at verse 28 again. She thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Again, that demonstration of faith, that action proves that she believed in her heart that Jesus would heal her. And secondly, she confessed with her mouth that Jesus was Lord, Lord above, uh, above disease and whatever else she may have confessed at that time. Uh, look at verse 33, if you would. Then the woman knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. She confessed with her mouth in humility. It was humble for her to have to bow before him. It was uh, humility that caused her to open her mouth when all fear was within her. She didn't even want to be seen. And yet here she is confessing the whole thing. And Jesus wanted knew that the confession is important. She could not just slither away in silent healing, but she needed to confess. And she did just that, confess that Jesus is Lord over my disease. And furthermore, she saw that Jesus is Lord over all. And I believe that that woman was saved as well. He said, healed, physically and spiritually, I believe uh, he healed her when he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And I believe that suffering was physical and as well as emotional. And she was free. She would be freed from that as well as spiritual. Go in peace. That is beyond just going and feeling good. That is going with the peace of the Lord. So here is a second person who came to the Lord Jesus through these encounters. So Jesus is powerful 
and winning victory after victory uh, over these enemies. And the last thing I want to say is, uh, and I'm going to bring up this point again in a moment, but the synagogue ruler or leader would be encouraged as he saw this. And as we say that, let's move on from the second enemy, disease, into the third and most challenging enemy or opponent. Jesus is victorious over death. In Mark 35, uh, Mark 535, which we read at the beginning, we're going to read again here now. Uh, we see the setting for this. Jesus was still speaking. Uh, and he said, uh, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Verse 39, he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to, allow, not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, in setting up this third opposition to Jesus, uh, this third opponent, Jesus, the, uh, Jairus, excuse me, the synagogue ruler, came to ask Jesus to heal his sick daughter. And in the midst, saw another healing of a sick woman, which would have encouraged him. Um, and it was interesting, I think, and um, I, it, it's not explicitly stated, but I think this would have resonated with Jairus. When he saw the healing, that would have increased his faith. And he also heard the woman confess, I believe, that she had been suffering for 12 years old, twelve years, and his daughter, coincidentally, in this instance, if you will, was 12 uh, years old. Uh, 12 years old, it stated. And uh, I think that would have just encouraged him. But then what would have discouraged him is right after that, they say, your daughter is dead. Jesus uh, lifted his encouragement and his faith and said, trust me, don't, don't, uh, do not fear. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And this from a man who had just vanquished the opponent of disease. Um, so we want to look at this death as an opponent. Um, this is an, an incredible opponent because no one had ever defeated death before. This is an opponent that never, uh, never lost to anyone. <laughs> um, and and it, it is so final. The toughest opponent yet is so final. You know, maybe someone who's tormenting a whole city, a whole town, maybe gets better. Maybe someone who's been sick for 12 years, maybe they get better. But no one ever dies and gets back up and gets better from that. That just is unheard of. So this was an undefeated opponent that Jesus was taking on. And, uh, but Jesus was completely confident in his ability. He actually said to Jairus, when they said she's dead, and in his omniscience, he knew she was dead. He said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. And of course, Jesus is victorious even over death. This girl that Jesus raised, he raised her not with a whole bunch of histrionics, not with uh, screaming and pleading and dancing and, 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 and cutting himself and all, whatever else might be involved in false gods and all this. 
Jesus in his own name and in his own power and strength spoke just a few words. Eight words. Well, it was really two words, Talitha Kum, but in English it's eight words. Little girl, I say to you, get up. Once again, with just a word, Jesus fells a powerful, powerful enemy. And the result of this encounter is Jesus is once again victorious. The girl was alive. She's walking around and eating. She wasn't just barely hanging on. She was fully healed from death. No one is healed from death. Hallelujah to the glory of the Lord. Jesus is the victor over all. And these people were astonished, it said in verse 42. They were completely astonished, as you can imagine. They had never seen anything like that. They had never heard of anything like that, where a person just walks in in their own name and raises anyone from the dead. Now, um, a family uh, also, another result of this is a family was fully believing in the power of Jesus. Um, here's a family that, if you think of it in, in, in our way of thinking today, every holiday, Every Passover, every uh, Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, um, they would get together and have these wonderful celebrations. And every year they would look at their daughter and say, that's our daughter who was dead. Just like over in John where the, the, the parents of the 40-year-old man who was healed of blindness said, I don't know how it happened, but I know our son was dead, was blind and now he sees. Well, every year they could say, that's our daughter. I don't know how. I know who raised her, and she's with us. She's now 15, 20, 25, 30. I don't know. She's grown up, and she's with us because of the power. Forever, they would believe in the power of Jesus, and I believe they were all saved, and uh, really, I mean, how could they not be? And testifying, in fact, the Lord said, don't testify to me right here because I've got other things to do, and I want y'all to keep it uh, on the down low right now, but uh, they couldn't help but hold it in to a, a degree because this was an incredible victory of our Lord Jesus. And also the disciples realized in this that everything he was teaching them began to be getting validated. He was showing the validity, the credibility and who he was. And that just grew their faith. Remember a couple nights earlier, they had just said, who is this man? Well, they're really beginning to see not only does he, uh, the waves obey him, but demons obey him. They cower, they run. Disease, vanishes quickly at him and death cowers in his presence. He is the most powerful in the world. And the disciples would have realized that as we can today. So how do we apply this? How do we apply the word? Well, I want us to see that Jesus is the victor in every circumstance in our personal lives today. Uh, examples of that, of course, are in the three areas that we're talking about. We have no need to fear demons. In our society today, demons and sin uh, with the flesh and the world system are running rampant and causing great havoc and creating fear among the people these days. And yet, as children of God, we have nothing to fear. Jesus is in control of all that. He has it under control. Secondly, we have no need to fear, fear any disease. Um, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and a lot of people still have fears about this, and yet we have no fear of any disease, no sickness. No matter what it is, Jesus has it all under control. We have no need to fear death. Now, we will all die in the body, 
But those who are believers, children of God, we will live forevermore. Those in Christ Jesus will not die, but will have everlasting life, life that never ends. And that is an exciting uh, prospect for all of us. Uh, our hope is in Christ. Now, these three miracles, let it not be thought of that in these miracles that uh, Jesus certainly did not, uh, is not going to get rid of every demon that's out there. Uh, he's, uh, you know, and exercise every person that has demons. He's not going to get rid of heal every sickness. And he's not going to raise uh, hardly anybody from the dead. And anybody that does raise from the dead is just going to die again because it says we all are going to die and then to face judgment. Uh, so we can't fear them, but let's not get to a false thing that he is going to vanquish all of those in this earthly life. Rather, these were put out there as validation of who he was, as who he said he was. So in our lives today, um, we can see that um, here on earth, we have the peace. And in heaven, we will be free. We will be uh, apart from uh, demons and all sin. No more presence. No more sin ever. Uh, we will be separated from disease and sickness. It says there will be no more sickness, no more illnesses. All will be healed forevermore. And we will be uh, no more death. The scripture says there will be no more death. It talks about the second death. And death in scripture is a separation, a separation. When one dies in the body, the spirit soul is separated from the body. And there's just a dead body laying there because it does not have the life. The life has left it. It is separated. The same thing uh, where our soul, spirit, is separated from God if we choose not to believe in him and, and do what those people in, in the Decapolis did and say, please leave away from me, God. Be away from me. God will grant us, grant people his um, uh, their wishes and uh, condemn their own selves to a total separation. That's what the second death is, separated. So there will be no more separation for those of us who are with Christ, in Christ Jesus. So there will be no more death. Now, um, Jesus has power over all. And I just want to say, this: all this is wonderful for those who are children of God, but there's no hope outside of Christ. And if you don't know the Lord and would like that hope, that assurance that you're living on the side of the victor, the one who has vanquished all opponents, then you can know Jesus as your personal Savior. And I invite you to, um, there's, a, there's a website there on the screen, to reach out to the church, we would love to sit with you and show you out of Scripture how you can know for certain that you have eternal life, that you are with Jesus, that you are in Christ, and you have no more need to fear. Just like he said, go in peace to the woman who was healed of the disease. We will go in peace, and we will walk that through with you uh, if you will contact us. We'd love to do that. These miracles show us that we can fully trust in Jesus. He has said who he is. And we know he is who he says he is, which is a validation of everything in his ministry so that we have confidence to go in assurance, nothing to fear here and everything to look forward to throughout all eternity. Jesus is the victor over all. He is our champion forever and ever. And now um, we're going to have turn to Marty and Marty's going to lead us in a closing song called The Lamb Has Overcome and I invite you to join in and sing with him in this wonderful song uh, about our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Marty, for that wonderful song. Uh, that is a very, very uh, powerful song, and uh, it ministered to my heart. 
Now let's close with a word of prayer, and then I'll, we will go into prayer, and then I'll close with a word of benediction. Father God, I just want to thank you so much that you have given us this uh, this picture into the life and a few days of Jesus to show that he is most powerful over anything that we will ever come across in this life. We have nothing to fear. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for for uh, demonstrating, but also going to the cross when we deserve the death, yet you stretched yourself out and willfully allowed your blood to be shed so that we can have the benefits, uh, as we learned last week, through sonship. Thank you, Father, that we have that through all eternity. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us in all truth and away from all error. We pray that you would be pleased in our going forward from this service, that we would be more like Jesus than when we came in, and that you would use us to witness to others to of, of what great things the Lord has done for us, and that God, Jesus' name would be lifted up in our lives and in our area and in our nation and in our world because of the power that is resident in us, not on our own accord, but because of Christ alone. Thank you in Jesus' name powerful name we pray. Amen. And now uh, a word of benediction that comes out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Go in the blessing of the Lord and be a blessing to others. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.